Good morning. I got to talk for a minute to, to millennials and Gen Zers. Do I have any millennials or Gen Zers in the house? There's a, there's a comedian named of Eliza Schlesinger. She has this bit she calls Elder Millennial. And uh, she says, I was born in 1983, which is right at the cutoff. She says, I'm an elder millennial. And uh, wise and sage, gather around the Snapchat, children. I will tell you the tale of the landline. I remember when sketchers were invented. They were ugly then. They're ugly now, she says. And um, I love, she says, she says, uh, she goes, when I was in high school, we danced to a band named Sugar Ray. (laughs) And uh, I say that because uh, this is for everyone. Okay, so all, when the, today, you millennials and Gen Zers and whatever's next are going to hear this and go, yeah, this is for all those old people. This is true of everyone. Every single one of us in this room right now are going to be older when we leave than when we came in today. Aren't you glad you came to hear this good news? You are closer to the deterioration of your body when you leave here today than when you came in. And and uh, I didn't think it was going to happen to me. Did anybody else own that? Like, I thought, I'm going to be the exception. Uh, here's what you have to look forward to. Like, if you marry someone and you're married to them for a, a, a long time, there will come that day when you wake up in the morning, you give your spouse a full report on your sleep. <laughs> and there's an injury report that is connected to that because you reach the age when you could get injured while you sleep. Anybody with me on that? You actually get hurt while you're asleep. I heard of a preacher who got hurt while he was preaching. Can you believe that happened to some frail, lame old preacher it had to be? He actually hurt his knee while he was preaching. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, and so if you're, the, you're, hey, if you're on the receiving end of that as a spouse, you got to act like this information. It's the first time I've heard it, and it's urgent, and it's critical, and it's vital, and I really do care. So Sherry looks at me when I give the injury report every morning, and she just goes, oh, Char. She's a fake compassion, fake compassion. Because I know what she wants to say to me. I know she wants to say, oh, Char, would you go see a medical doctor? Would you do that? Anybody else on that one? Yeah, would you really? You're tired of caring and acting like you care. Uh, she's fake caring. Um, so whenever I share something, everybody wants to give me advice on what to do. So, so I I haven't shared this, but about three to four years ago, I don't remember when I whammed my left foot into a leg of a chair. Anybody ever done that? It's right next to stepping on a Lego, not even close to stepping on a Lego, but right next to it in the pain deal. Sherry thinks I broke my middle toe on my left foot. But I, but I didn't think it hurt like crazy, but I didn't think any of it. it, it it's a, a, a damaged nerve. It'll heal in time. So three years later now, it's fine during the day, but when I sit down at the end of a long day of saving souls forever, and I flip the, the, the recliner up on the couch, and I put my foot up, or when I lie down to go to bed at night to go to sleep, my foot just starts throbbing, boom, boom. I tell Sherry, I said, my foot's doing the Jaws theme again. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. And it does this, and, and I, I, I need help. But if, 
but if you're not a doctor, don't say to me after the service, go see a medical doctor, okay? Don't say that, but I want help because this is, this is amazing. We're into almost year four, and it's not getting any better. What happened to the body that used to heal itself? It, it used to recover from hitting my feet into the leg of a chair, and it doesn't anymore. But the thing about getting older is, is the reason. Do you know why life goes faster as you get older? It's because you're constantly doing maintenance. <laughs> Cleaning and brushing and trimming and caring. It's like having a pet. Getting older, you're the pet now. You've got to clean it and brush it and care for it and trim it and... Some of you didn't do a good job this morning. This is as good as it gets, right? You're here and this is good. How many of you remember back when you were a kid and you thought, what am I going to look like when I grow up? This is it. This is what I look like grown up. It's not getting any better. And I worked really hard to get to where I am today, but it's not getting any better. Um, A big thing to me is I've always been a high energy person and I don't I don't handle not having the energy I used to well. Anybody with me on that? Like, what's, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong. Sherry says, Charlie, you're 61. That's what's wrong with you. You're 61. There are three, I always say there are three stages of life. Stage one, uh, you don't even need five-hour energy drink. You don't need it. Anybody remember those days? Stage two, you need a five-hour energy drink every hour. That's stage two. And stage three is you need a nap. Five-hour energy drink's not going to help you at all. You need a long nap in the middle of your day. And that's what's coming, millennials. I just want you to know it's coming faster. Are you with me, old people? Faster than you think it is. It's coming, and I can't wait. I hope I'm alive to see you old. I hope I'm alive to see you millennials old. Uh, So have you followed this? There's a a 45-year-old tech, software tech guy, gazillionaire, who is spending $2 million a year to go back to 18. So here it is, a tech tycoon worth nearly half a billion dollars trying to reverse the aging process has revealed a new device he claims puts his body through the equivalent of 20,000 sit-ups in an hour. Brian Johnson, age 45, spends $2 million a year to engineer his body into that of an 18-year-old. He wakes up at 5 a.m., takes around two dozen supplements a day, eats a strict vegan diet of blended foods as part of a meticulously documented process. He has taken 33,537 images of his bowels and monitors everything from his bone weight to his number of certain things during the night. If you have a disposable income of $2 million annually, Go ahead and do that. Uh, but here's what I want to say. Like, do that. Like, yeah, I, I got two mil. I don't know what to do with it. Try to go back to 18. Or, here's, I'm going to give you the lead first, okay? So I'm not going to bury the lead. Here's the lead today. Are you ready for this? Or here's what you can do. You can see your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you steward that temple well. You take good care of it because you want energy to love people and love God. You want energy to serve him. You want energy as long as you can to be on this planet where you help heaven come to earth and you trust in the resurrected one who someday is going to give you a body that makes this one look like an artichoke and, 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 and that's what you're going to do your life and that $2 million a year, you give it to the things that Christ cares about. You can do that. That's what you can do. Because, because I don't know where Brian is, Someday, 
old man time is going to win again because he's undefeated. He's undefeated. People, you know, so one of the things that really framed how I approached COVID personally, I didn't, this is not for everyone, but how I approached COVID personally, I mentioned this a few years ago, was Barbara Ehrenreich's book, uh, Natural Causes. Natural Causes, subtitled, An Epidemic of Wellness, The Certainty of Dying, Killing Ourselves to Live Longer. And the whole book, I didn't, she's Darwinian. I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with her about in that book, but she's a scientist and she shows that if you're eating bark, and branches, fine. Here's a reason why, unless you just love bark and branches, probably don't do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, she says it this way. She says the whole point, this is the whole point of the book. If there's a lesson here, it has to do with humility. For all our vaunted intelligence and complexity, we are not the sole authors of our destinies or of anything else. You may exercise diligently, eat a medically fashionable diet, still die of a sting from an irritated bee. You may be a slim-toned paragon of wellness and still a microphage within your body decides to throw in its lot with an incipient tumor and you are done and there's nothing that's going to stop it. Again, I know this is like you were too happy when you came in today and I'm bringing you down a notch. But here's the point. Here's the point is in Christ, there's something better. This old guy went to heaven with his wife. They went at the same time. And she's going, oh my gosh, look at this place. Look, look at this. This is, am this is amazing. This is amazing. And he goes, I know. And we would have been here a long time ago if you hadn't made us eat all that oat bran, he said. <laughs> now, I love exercise. I want energy. I, I, man, I, I'm, still, I'm still playing basketball. And I shouldn't be. I, I, I try to eat well, but I'm dying someday. And I have a hope beyond that I want to talk to you about today. And I want especially the next generations to listen to what I'm going to say, because I think this today touches on why when you were in college, you didn't want to give your life to Christ because you were afraid you're going to miss out. And you're not. Let's continue. 1 Corinthians 15. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Now notice, Paul says, he doesn't say, what kind of spirit will they float in on? There's no body. This is very critical. Every time I read that verse, I think of Beetlejuice. And remember when Michael Keaton is in the, the, the waiting room, and there's that guy sitting there who was run over by a truck, and his body has the tire tracks all over it. Is that what it's going to be? Is that what it's going to be? Like, I'm forever in this body that was run over by a truck. Is that it? What kind? Oh, how foolish. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. A seed has to die. And then it becomes something else. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. So, it's amazing. You plant this acorn and what comes out of there is real, but it doesn't look like anything like an acorn. What, is, what does it become? What does it become? The body of an oak tree. Whoa, this is one of the seven major arguments for life after death is this time of year, we see life beyond death, don't we? We see it in the regeneration of nature. It's, resurrection is all around us, but it's not what was planted in the ground. 
But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same, for example. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another. Birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. And the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another. Stars differ from star in splendor. So it will be. Listen to this. And by the way, this is not apocalyptic imagery-based literature. This is didactic literature. He's not writing in metaphor here. He's not writing a style of imaginary language. He's writing didactically, which means he's talking to you like your fourth grade teacher talked to you. He's talking in a language of teaching. The resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown is perishable. Okay? You're a dust bunny. From dust you came and your body to dust you shall return. You're you're just heading back. Your body is perishable. It's heading back to being a dust bunny. It is raised imperishable. Something different. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in dishonor. I mean, how many of you, I don't want an open casket. (laughs) I don't want a closed one because that's not me. That's dead me. I don't want people to be dead me. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. You're not what you used to be. But it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, we think in terms of this is the real thing and this is the not real thing. Yeah, actually, the scriptures teach this is the shadow. The physical stuff is the shadow. The spiritual reality is the eternal stuff. That's the substance that lasts forever. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, what was his name? Jesus a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. This was Jesus post-resurrection, as we'll see in a minute. He was now made of the eternal stuff. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of the realm of the eternal, heaven. Whenever you think of heaven, it's not up there. Heaven is here with us right now. It's a realm of reality that is beyond the physical. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. I'm going to talk about this more next week. This is so exciting. What, what, where then does death fit in? And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this, I, I couldn't wait to get here today. Because this stuff is unbelievably hopeful. It is unbelievably powerful. This, this, this reference here to the body that is now spiritual post-life here on earth is exciting. And it hooks right back into the statement Paul made in verse 20. That he's coming from, this is the hook statement in the whole text. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead bodily. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Remember last week, first fruits was the first of the harvest given. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. And Jesus is the prototype. He's the first Corvette off the assembly line. He's the first one. And this is what you're going to be like. So one of the things we haven't done yet in this series is, what, did, what was he like? 
If he is the prototype, and if he shows he's the heavenly man, he's the spiritual man, post-natural man, and Adam man, then what was he like? Well, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Luke 24, starting at verse 36. Post-resurrection. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. So all of a sudden, he's there. They didn't recognize him coming in. Hmm. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Really interesting thing about the resurrection. People talk about wish fulfillment. The disciples were, they were, they were just entering. This is what they wanted to have happen. Every time they witnessed resurrection, it was like, who? Oh, what the heck's going on here? They, what, it was not, oh yeah, we expected you to do this. We expected you to do that. No, it was, what is going on? And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Now we know from earlier in this text on the walk to Emmaus that the disciples didn't initially recognize him. So again, as the prototype, Jesus was himself in answer to some of those questions. He was, he was him, but he was different so that they couldn't quite recognize him initially. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Now, this is very, 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 very critical. Because this is almost anticipating the doubts people will have. He says this. Look what he says. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat. Anybody do that this morning? Did you do that in spirit or did you do that in body? Did your spirit eat that Captain Crunch? Or did your body eat the Captain Crunch? Or the bark and the branches? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. This is not the only section in scripture where we're told Jesus physically resurrected from the dead. It wasn't spiritual. Just like a nebulous globe of Jesus appeared. I think that's Jesus. But I'm not sure because it's a globe. No, it's his body. Now, here, here's why this is critical. American syncretistic religious people who like to blend everything together will say this. I like Easter. I like that Southbrook is doing five weeks of Easter. I think that's great because you know what? We need hope in these dark, troubled times because that's what Easter represents. It represents the, the idea that when you're in dark times, hope is coming. But I don't believe it literally. I don't believe in a literal physical resurrection. Those stories morphed down through the decades as these Christians came up with tales that affirmed what they wanted to believe. Jesus lives on in spirit. He lives on in our memory. And that's the thing that really matters. Now, again, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this next week as one final boom. Here's the reason why you should believe this. But Jesus didn't really physically resurrect from the dead. He's alive in that we remember him today. And then you read sections like this in Luke. And he says, if you say Jesus is living on in spirit, but his body didn't resurrect, that's great. You have warm, fuzzy comfort. Easter, pink, and yellow. But you don't know the truth. 
Because Luke 24, he's saying, I am not a spirit. I am not a ghost. A spirit does not have flesh and bones like I have. Touch me. Give me a fish. Let me eat that salmon. And the claim of Easter, friends, is this. This is the claim. You can do with it what you want. Jesus has flesh and bones. Jesus' body rose from the dead as a prototype, just as sure as an acorn becomes an oak tree. And it's not the same. It is what that, it's the same DNA, but it's expressed differently. And this is so fundamental to our hope in Christ. The eating of the fish by Jesus means your future is physical. When you die, Jesus looks at the thief when he dies and he says, you trust me, today you will be with me in paradise. There's no waiting room where we get to look at people who've been run over by a truck. There's no waiting room. Purgatory was something invented by the church to raise money. That's what it was. It was just to scare the hell out of people so that they would give money to the church and be saved. It was made up. It was not in scripture. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. But heaven is not your destination. Do you know that? Earth is. When the king, Revelation 21, 21, 21, 1, brings in the new heaven and the new earth and those who have fallen asleep in him come with him. And they take on their permanent bodies. This is so exciting. And, and Jesus is not saying, oh, go be the floating bulbous material in your Star Trek netherland of eternity. For when you leave this world, you will leave behind the shackles of a body. And you go to a place where you are very happy being nothing. Very happy being nothing. By resurrection, as first fruits, as prototype, he is saying this world, this material reality is so important to me. It's not Platonism where material is evil, spirit is good. We separate. No, he says, no, 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 no. That's Platonism. My truth is, is, is reality, and that is what? Is that this material reality is so important to me. I have come into the world to redeem it, and my resurrection is the first of the new heaven and the new earth. Your future is what you see in me. I have a body. I am me. Is that exciting to anyone? Now, it's even better. Jesus talks about marriage in heaven. Do you know that? In one section, he talks about heaven. People ask a question about heaven, and he says marriage is going to be different. So for those of you who think, am I stuck with him forever? Am I going to be married to him forever? It's going to be different in heaven, okay? I'll just put it that way. He's very, very different in heaven. You're going to be you, but this truth creates an amazing balance in the follower of Christ's life that no other philosophy can touch. If you believe in the physical resurrection, the impact is not only in life after life. It is in this world right now. It, it impacts how you live right now. And so here's today. Today's sermon in a sentence is right here, right here. Everybody say this with me. Say it with me. No regrets, full redemption. Okay? Say it again. No regrets, full redemption. This will impact, if you believe this, how you live as a college student right now. As a high school student right now, if you believe this, it's going to affect how you live. Let's break this down. What does it mean that the bodily resurrection of Jesus means zero regrets? What does it mean? Well, here's what it means. If we're talking about a real world where you walk and you talk and you dance and you hug and you have cookouts by the lake where you eat fish, you can live this life right now not fearing you're going to have regrets. Not fearing if you give your life to Jesus, 
you're going to miss out on all the good stuff. Okay? Listen to me, friends. If Jesus' bodily resurrection and if he is the prototype of what is to come, no mo, fomo, no mo. And for all you who are told to know what FOMO means, it's the fear of missing out. It takes this away. People are afraid they're going to miss out on a great family, miss out on great sex, miss out on great travel, miss the best food, miss physical beauty. And people want these things and should want these things. And they live in this low-level sense of, but I'm missing out if I give my life to Jesus. I'm kind of missing out on all the good stuff that I hope I can do and still go to heaven. You're missing, you're not missing a thing. Some of you are old enough to remember this. And when I was growing up, the Schlitz Beer Company had a commercial. And, and the Schlitz Beer Company, look it up. You will see these ancient commercials of the Schlitz Beer Company that, 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 that said this. You only go around once in life, so what? What was the conclusion? Some of you oldies. So you got to grab all the gusto you can. Don't miss out on anything. Repent at the end. <laughs> like, 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 like last second repent. Get the insurance policy, but don't miss out. I just, pardon my French, but the physical resurrection says that's absolutely stupid. Don't be ridiculous. If you unite with the resurrected one, you will miss out on absolutely nothing. Relax, sacrifice for Christ, Mother Teresa. Give generously, even, uh, even though you gave up the wealth of your wealthy family. Give to other people. Let people impose on you in the name of Christ because you're not going to lose out anything if you follow in the steps of the resurrected one who sacrificed and gave himself and serve others because he's going to give you a body. He's going to give you a new heaven and a new earth that so outranks anything you could have on this earth. No eye has seen, no ear has seen has heard no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him first Corinthians 2 9 he, he began this book the way he ends it you don't, you have no idea what's coming don't live in regret how many of you you have a moment you have a moment on earth and where's the phone where's the phone where's the phone I got to take a picture of this moment on earth and you look we might miss this moment so you I mean look go to any event go to like watch a golf tournament on tv if you want to take a nap this afternoon watch golf tournament on tv and everybody I can't miss this moment and what the resurrection says is don't worry about you didn't get the picture which by the way we so freak out about that we actually missed the moment don't worry about that I'm all for taking pictures but there's something coming your way that 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 you know what? All of you who are working 100 hour weeks to pay the mortgage, to live in the house so you can sleep, to wake up, to give the report to your wife, to go to work, to do the 100 hour week so you can go to sleep and wake up. And, get, and all you are doing yourself to do, why are you doing that? Because you believe in the resurrected one. You got something better coming than what that 100 hour week brings. Why are you doing that? That's what the physical resurrection says. The bodily resurrection says you're not going to miss out on anything. As always, C.S. Lewis and Tom Wright, old N.T. Wright said it best. In his book, The Weight of Glory, Lewis said this, the faint far-off results of those energies which God's creative rapture has planted in physical matter when he made the world are what we now call physical pleasures. When the Father and Son created the world, do you know this? The, the scriptures all over say this, especially read Proverbs 8, where it says that the Father and that, that the wisdom of God frolicked and rejoiced at creation. You know how a little kid will go, do it again, Dad, do it again. They just kept doing it again and doing it again. 
And they gave the rest, not because they needed it, because they knew we would need it, because life would be overwhelming. And they frolicked. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is this, is when you eat something and it's so good, when you embrace someone who is so wonderful to you, when you hear some music that is incredibly sublime, the physical energies that we call physical pleasures are simply the faint, far-off results of what we call the rapture of what God put into the creative world when he made it. It's just a faint, far-off hint. Right now, you can't handle the real thing, friends. It's faint and far off. Lewis says this. He says, these physical pleasures are so strong that even they are too strong for our present management. Even filtered, faint, and far off. But what would it be like to taste at the fountainhead that stream of which even those lower reaches prove so intoxicating, yet that is what lies ahead. I, I, I just, I want to make sure that the high school students who, you know, you got to live, like college is a sham. It's a hellhole for the most part. Education is totally important, but college has become this. You got to live this, sow your wild oats, and then pray for a crop failure. <laughs> That's what it is. And if you trust in Jesus, there, there's some oats coming that that wheat, it, you can't understand how great that wheat coming is. You cannot, you can't, you sow your life into Jesus, the resurrected one. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store. And he, remember, he's using language to help us understand. You, you, you got to understand, this is like explaining an elevator to someone in the 1600s. We're, we're, we're trying to grasp an, a reality, and he's saying, this is the best I can do, the great pleasure here, the greatest food, the greatest drink, the greatest sex, the greatest pleasure that is nothing like the incredible reality. You think that wine is good? It doesn't compare to the wedding feast of the Lamb. It does not compare. He says, when you're the, you see those dancers dancing and you say, I wish I could move like that. I'm too klutzy. I'm too big boned. I would love to dance like that, but I can't. You will. You will. You know, Psalm 96 says the trees will dance. If the trees can dance, think about you. Think about you. When I was young, I could jump. I mean, I was a world-class jumper. And it's the, I, I, I remember a few times where when I would jump and other people are coming down and I'm still going up, that's what it was like. That, that's what it was like to fly. Next to sex with Sherry, it's the, next, it's the best pleasure I've ever had, you know? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like jumping. It's right up there. And, and, and now I can't jump like I used to, okay? I cannot jump like I used to. And Jesus says, that doesn't matter because what's coming What's, boy, Sherry's going to kill me. Okay, she's going to kill me. What's coming? He says, what's coming? The dance that's coming, friends. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. You friend, high school students, college students who say today, I'm giving my life to Jesus, the resurrected one. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint someday. And as that great American philosopher, Steve Miller said, you will fly like an eagle through the sea. You will fly like an eagle, let your body carry me, right? That, that's what's going to happen. And this is really, really important because I think secretly this is why a lot of people don't want to give their life to Jesus. And I think the evil one keeps reality cloaked because he knows it's too good. It's too good. If people know what it is, that's what they'll want because we were made for that. 
compared to what you're going to be. No FOMO, no more, no regrets, no fears. Mother Teresa, you were actually very smart because someday when Jesus comes back and establishes the new heaven and new earth, you're going to leave heaven with him and you will talk and you will dance and you will run and you will eat and you will drink and you will hug and you will love. Beat that, world. <laughs> right? Beat that. I mean, that, uh, that's the hope. Now, you can do with it whatever you want, but that's the hope. Real quick, here's the second one. Remember what we said the second one? Is no regrets, full redemption. What do I mean by that? Well, one of the <clears throat> realities that gets shared about heaven and eternity is that the hope of eternal life is something that starts after you die, and it's not. It actually starts now. And the resurrection body means that this material world is not Platonistic. It is incredibly important. And part of our job is to prepare this earth for heaven by bringing heaven to it when? Now. When we see poverty and we can do something about it, what do we do? We bring heaven into that, de de that deterioration of what earth was meant to be. When we see injustice, do we say, ah, you know what? And this is what Christians have been blamed for. Oh, no, all that matters is the sweet by and by, and this world is not our home. We're just passing through. No, this world matters right now. When we see injustice, we got to bring heaven into that injustice, right? Because our task now as representatives of the resurrected one is to bring resurrection to dead things, is to bring the new heaven and the new earth and usher it in. If I see a child suffering, if I see a poor person living in squalor, I am reminded by the resurrection body, God is not giving up on this world. He is not abandoning this world. He's not gonna swoop us out of here like Scotty beaming us up to another netherland. He is coming into this world. He is going to heal this world. He's gonna make new this world as he's making new all things. And that's why, as Christ followers, we have in these new bodies coming right now, our hope and physical reality is impacting how we live right now. It impacts how we lead right now, how we impact our communities and schools right now. Uh, N.T. Wright put it this way. He said, if Easter means that Jesus Christ is only raised in a spiritual sense, then Easter is only about me. And finding a new dimension into my, in my personal spiritual life. But if Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world. Not just for me. News which warms our hearts precisely because it isn't about warming our hearts. Easter means that in a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate any such thing. And Easter means that we will work and plan with God to implement the victory of Jesus over them all. Friends, this, this is why your life is more than paying a mortgage. It is pregnant with new heaven and new earth, meaning right now. When you lead a company and you give jobs to people to help them pay for the, you are helping heaven come to earth. You, the, the, the multitude of ways that Christ followers can bring heaven to earth. When you go to Kentucky with Operation Recovery and you help reestablish homes for people whose homes were blown away in the awful reality of this fallen earth, you're, you're a part of the resurrection story. Theologian Tim Keller said, take away Easter and Karl Marx is right. 
to accuse Christianity of ignoring the problems of the material world. Take away Easter and Freud was right to say Christianity is wish fulfillment. Take away Easter and Nietzsche was right to say it was for wimps. But have Easter, a risen body, stop spiritualizing it away, then you have all the courage, all the joy, all of the sense of the importance of this world. If Jesus came in flesh and bones and, and Luke was a doctor, he was, he, was, he was recording accurate historical event. If Jesus said, I have flesh and bones because he did, then you can relax and you can live with no regrets because anything you miss in this world, you're not missing. And you can live a life of full redemption. I'm a part of heaven coming to earth. And when he comes back someday, and maybe I'm with him because maybe I'm an old millennial who by that time has fallen asleep in Jesus if when that comes, you're going to recognize the earth you helped make and he's going to restore fully. And man, I tell you what, take every other religion in the world, I'll take that. I'll take that hope. Because that hope is rooted in what we're going to talk about next week, the reality that Jesus Christ has the final victory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, The adversary doesn't want people to know this. Because if, if, if we don't know this, then we'll just keep, as C.S. Lewis once said, we'll just keep baking our mud pies in a slum, thinking that's as good as life gets. When what is offered to us is infinitely more. Infinitely more. And our bodies may be failing us now. But someday, there is going to be, this old acorn is going to get planted in the ground, and it produces a reality of a spiritual oak tree that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what really is in store. And this is our hope. This is the hope we have to share with this world. This is why for that person that is our friend, we have to tell them about Jesus. We have to bring them to our church because, because religion doesn't bring this. Jesus brings this. The life of Christ is what we want to connect people to because it's the life of the resurrection. And this is, this, this is what we live for. If today there's someone here and says, I want that hope, then all they have to do is say this, Jesus Christ, I turn away from a life independent of you. Sitting here in my seat, sitting here in the small theater, sitting in the living room, which I'm watching this, I right now, bring resurrection reality in my life by invitation that Jesus Christ is my hope. I turn away from living a life independent of him. I live according to his lordship over me because he owns me now. I am his and he is mine. I am in him, the resurrected one. And Lord, if today that happens, this will have been a good day. This will have been a good day. We thank you that in Christ is the final victory. And next week, we'll learn why, if we believe we're in Christ, we can give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And everybody, in Jesus' name, said amen. amen. See you next week, everybody, for part five.